Hello, welcome to Okawa Book Club. So we're your hosts, I'm Dylan. I'm John. And we're going to be discussing the teachings of Riho Okawa. Riho Okawa is a world teacher, master, and CEO of Happy Science Group. Welcome to another episode of Okawa Book Club. Today's book is John Lennon's Message from Heaven on the spirit of love and peace, music, and the incredible secret of his soul. So the reason we chose this book is because this is the 40th year of the commemoration of his passing, and we wanted to pay homage to his soul, pay homage to his legacy, and really just show his divine contribution to the world from a spiritual perspective. That's what Happy Science has the authority and the tools in order to do, is that we can access his soul, we can access his true mind, and then show that to the world. So that's why we're doing this book today. Uh, John, could you please share from the table of contents the chapter headings? Sure, Dylan. Chapter 1 is called The Incredible Truth About John Lennon's Soul, John Lennon's Spiritual Message, Part 1. And the subheadings of the chapter are Let the Rock Spirit Bring a Revolution to the Establishment and The Thought that John Lennon Put into His Music. Chapter 2 is The Power of Music, John Lennon's Spiritual Message, Part 2. The subheadings are The Power of Music that Can Destroy Social Structures, The Way of Thinking to Strengthen Your Influence. Chapter 3, His Message to All the People, John Lennon's Spiritual Message, Part 3. Subheadings, The Rock Way of Life that Led to Breaking Through the Times. Music becomes politically influential as it spreads widely. What really happened that day on December 8th, 1980. Music, life, his genius, and madness. On his love, his song Imagine, and Jesus Christ. His message to everyone, and concluding comments regarding John Lennon's astonishing spiritual message. Yeah, thank you very much, John. It's a very thick book if you hold it, more than 290 pages. As you said, there's three different chapters, which are three spiritual interviews with John Lennon. Through these chapters, through these spiritual messages, you really understand who he was in his soul, who he really was, without any media bias, without any you know preconceived notions. What we have here is another one of our acclaimed spiritual interview series, which shows the true mind of a person in heaven or hell or elsewhere. And from this, we can understand why John Lennon lived, why he was born into this world, the meaning of his life, and the significance of his music and his assassination, things like that, and understand what kind of effect he had. And that's such a, you know, a mercy for us to understand these bigger picture concepts about heroes and icons and celebrities. Absolutely. It really puts uh, you know, important historical figures into context. Yeah. Let's talk about chapter one. So in chapter one, we have the incredible truth about John Lennon's soul. So what is the incredible truth about John Lennon's soul? Uh, well, the incredible truth that's revealed in chapter one is that John Lennon is actually a branch spirit of Jesus Christ's soul. Furthermore, that Paul McCartney is the rebirth of St. Paul. And uh, so because John Lennon is part of Jesus Christ's soul, he does exist on a higher dimensional uh, heavenly plane at this time. That might be the most shocking news you've heard on our Okawa Book Club podcast so far, but let, let's go over that for a second. So in that chapter, John Lennon's spirit says, For a very long time, I've continuously preached teachings on love, only they've been coming from the core consciousness of Jesus Christ. And we, others, 
have been giving assistance in literature and the arts. And so he talks about the reason he gave music, he was singing and rocking throughout the world, was to spread the love from Jesus Christ or the love of God. That's very deep. That is incredible. And that, you know, was the basis of his love and peace movement or his musical activism or anti-war movement. So it's all from the love of Jesus Christ, trying to represent that through the field of music. Incredible, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, I like that he goes on to explain how, you know, just like John Lennon himself sort of rocked the world and was rocking against the establishment during his lifetime, um, Jesus was doing the same thing during his lifetime. He was rocking against current establishments. He was trying to, you know, shake up the foundations of everything that was wrong in the world at that time in the region that he was born into. Yeah, it says even in this book, John Lennon says he has an artistic side, but he's also a rocker. His way of life is a rocker, or you could say that he was kind of like an American hippie. He gathered disciples who were fishermen, tax collectors, and a prostitute. He really rock and roll. He completely ignores established powers and authorities. I mean, look at Jesus, right? He rebelled against, you know, the, the Romans. He rebelled against the Jews. He rebelled against, you know, the expectations of even his family, his mother. He was a kind of free spirit who was on a mission to accomplish something. And through his rock and roll type spirit, he laid down a legacy that lasted 2,000 years. This chapter also talks about John Lennon's work in heaven right now. That's another very important point. John Lennon is not dead. His soul lives on in the heavenly world, and he's doing various works from the heavenly world. So, John, could you tell us about what he's doing in the heavenly world? Right, so, I mean, uh, John Lennon's work from heaven right now is basically that he's uh, inspiring and providing uh, heavenly guidance to artists and musicians in this world, and including to happy science and basically inspiring musical and creative works that can be put out into the world and have a, a transformative impact on civilization. Mm. So that, I think, takes us on to the second chapter, because the second chapter actually begins with the power of music that can destroy social structures. And it talks about one such example, which is in Thailand, where they have a monarchy system, but that's just one such example. He goes on to talk about a lot of like worldly problems in this chapter, a lot of problems with how, you know, even organizations are being managed and run. And what I wanted to move on to was actually on page 123, he talks about the significance of his assassination. He says in that section, I was assassinated, so I guess I was told to rest in peace. But I finished my work in about two or three years. We started around 1962. The peak came quickly in about three to four, four years. And we were done by 1969 or so. I lived until 1980, but I was killing time. People said that I displayed a lot of odd behavior that, and that I was becoming strange. So if we think about this from a spiritual perspective, you know, Jesus Christ was doing his work for just three years. And a lot of great spirits in the past did their work very quickly in a short period of time, and somehow they were 
their lives were prematurely ended. But it's not the saddest thing in the world if we see it from the perspective of eternity, if we see it from the perspective of their legacy that lives on through future generations. And I think John Lennon's effect are, is still, you know, making a big difference in this world. His music is still at the top of, you know, streaming services, but essentially he did fulfill his mission, he said. And that's sad in one way, but it's also relieving in another way, knowing that his life was not ruined by his assassin. Right, right. Yeah, and I think it, all right, so if we think of John Lennon, right, everybody knows the name of John Lennon. Everybody knows who he was. Everybody knows who the Beatles were, essentially, in, in most parts of the world at this point, I think. And I think that, you know, like what you were saying, Dylan, you know, sometimes if, if somebody is able to accomplish great things in a short amount of time, when they die, often prematurely, or so it seems, I think it's so that they can go to the heavenly planes and have a broader field of influence from there. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, for example, Martin Luther King Jr. is talked about as one such example where, you know, his legacy lived on, his movement lived on, and he's guiding people in the world today on this, you know, black emancipation movement. Um, next, I want to ask you, John, he talks about three demons in his eyes, and that's on page 137, but it, he's, he mentions the three demons on page 139. Who are the three demons, according to John Lennon? Uh, according to John Lennon, the three demons were uh, Roosevelt, Mao Zedong, and Stalin. And he described them as being a trio of demons. Right, and that's because, as it says, they built the post-war, UN-centered, permanent member system and led the world. They suppressed and virtually exploited the defeated countries. They doled out money to the countries around the defeated. You know, that is incredibly interesting to think about. Maybe around 1949, during Truman's administration, the post-war system was set up. The, you know, Marshall Plan was initiated in Europe. Then Roosevelt, Stalin, and Mao worked together alongside Churchill to create the world's future. It's, what's interesting is that of those four, Churchill is left out as not being one of the demons. Exactly. I mean, he says Churchill is a heavenly being, you know, and it's it's interesting. He makes an interesting comparison um, between what the EU is doing versus the former Soviet Union in terms of uh, bringing together these satellite countries that are economically challenged um, under one sort of sole authority. Yeah, to kind of change the subject a little bit, you know, one part, a uh, good part about the U.S. that he talks about is he says that there's something about New York that changes people. He said, New York has dangers, but it's also a place of rock. And he says, there's something about New York that changes people. The Statue of Liberty has power. She's the rock part of the French Revolution. And, you know, there's problems with New York and with the U.S., but one good aspect is the rock nature that, you know, changes people to become creative and think new things and not bow down to authority, but to have that, you know, self-initiated drive to be someone unique in the world, someone individual, and then contribute to the world your own unique way. All right, John, now let's move on to chapter three. This chapter might be the most universal. It's got so many lessons for people living today. It's just called His Message to All the People. 
One interesting part that I, I found from this chapter is how he said he wasn't trying to destroy anything. He was just being natural. He was just living naturally and truthful to himself. He was only speaking his honest feelings. People tied down by the rules, cultures, or common sense values of the world, in addition to other such things. But I was just following my feelings and what felt the most natural and normal to me. That's all. And so he says, you know, being the self exactly as God has created you is rock. Right. And I think that's part of the reason that, um, you know, these any type of like authoritarian establishment always has to be rocked against because it always tries to create a sort of collectivist, non-individualistic ideology, you know, which which it, it is completely contrary to what we're discussing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think one final topic I want to discuss is the war of values that is going on in the world of arts. This is so important. He talks about how there are competitions in the world of arts between entertainment, what is more or less entertaining. But the heavenly world and the hellish world are both guiding these different forms of entertainment. The heavenly world is trying to create works of a very deep thinking nature. And they are also creating things like positive things, such as like hero-themed movies, uh, etc. But a lot of those heavenly-themed movies don't win awards. They don't win in the world of competition. And it's easier for movies depicting evil worlds or people who get possessed by criminal minds and drive themselves into that world to get awarded more easily. And, you know, he talks about criminal-themed movies and murder-themed movies winning awards very easily. And this is a kind of disgrace of the modern judgment of humankind, is that we are awarding these hellish-themed movies more than we're awarding the positive, heavenly-themed movies. Absolutely. And, you know, that type of thing, it gives the the hellish world, from the, the hellish part of the spirit's world, more influence here because it normalizes those behaviors. So after seeing and being nonstop exposed to movies of that type of subject matter, then when somebody sees a movie that is of a more heavenly vibration, there's, there might almost be a resistance to it sometimes. And it might just seem lofty and unrealistic. And it's so it's, again, you know, the arts are so powerful. Mm. So there's definitely a war of, of uh, ideologies in the arts. Mm. That's exactly right. So I think that will conclude today's talk about this very thick and detailed book. I highly, highly recommend you purchase this book. Uh, you can learn more on okawabooks.com or you can purchase it on Amazon or at your local Happy Science Temple. Again, it's called John Lennon's Message from Heaven. So let us all learn from this book and become rockers in this world. It was great talking to you again, John. Likewise, though. In these trying times, stay happy, healthy, and positive.